Um, before we get started, I'm just going to do what I always do last, um, is to make sure you've turned off your cell phones, put them on, vibrate, or, or uh, put the sound off. So, thank you. Um, you're going to hear less from me today than, than everyone else up here, so I think that's probably good. Um, I'm Janelle Heinrich. I'm the Director of Public Health Madison in Dane County, and as I say every year, um, it's this is one of my favorite events. It's our opportunity, your opportunity to celebrate all the good work that's happening, the individuals and organizations who are contributing to health, create, making Dane County and Madison great places to live. And every year I leave this event um, with a deeper knowledge about efforts that are happening in this community and also with um, incredible, being incredibly inspired by learning about the variety um, of the work that's happening here and hearing about the passion that, and the commitment of everyone who's leading all these amazing efforts. Um, today, although there's so many things, there are so many things that are happening in Madison and Dane County um, to improve and create and support health, um, we have the honor to recognize four individual, individuals and organizations who have made significant contributions to our overall health and well-being. Um, for the past 18 years, we've given out 112 awards to outstanding individuals and organizations. And I think I see a, a few folks who've received some of these awards in the past. Could, could I ask you to stand so we can recognize you? Thank you. Thanks for all the work that you've done and for coming and continuing to celebrate all the work that's happening. Um, in addition to the four um, awards that we're giving out today, we will also be um, especially recognizing the outstanding efforts that went on to prepare our community in the event of um, Ebola landing here. And some of you may not even realize what went on behind the scenes. So it's, it's great to be able to share with you all the efforts, the partnerships that went on, and, and an incredible amount of work, um, not just within local public health. We had an amazing team that spent a lot of time starting last August to prepare internally and to work with partners to, so that our community was prepared, prepared, but there is an incredible amount of um, so many organizations that really stepped up, and a number of them are here today that we'd like to recognize. Before I turn it over to the actual awards, so you can uh, acknowledge everyone's efforts, um, I want to recognize the work that went on within the health department, uh, the committee of six public health staff who came together this year and had the very hard task of choosing the um, awards recipients. And so I'd like to ask our committee members to stand, along with Amy Veith and Lisa Bullard-Cawthorn, who um, facilitate Ride Herd on all of us every year to make this pull this event off. So could I ask Beam Nimgade, Jennifer Weitzel, Diana Love, Jessica LeClaire, Sridevi Mohan, and Sharon Neely to please stand up. Thank you all so much for what you've done, for getting us here right now. Um, I think I see a few Board of Health members here today. I'd like to ask you to stand up as well. So thank you for coming and continuing to share your support. Um, And lastly, um, before we get started, I'd like to introduce Dean County Executive Joe Parisi and Gloria Reyes to, uh, on behalf of Mayor Soglin to come and, and share a few remarks with us today. So, thank you. Thank you, Janelle. Um, on behalf of Madison Mayor Paul Soglin, I would like to welcome you to the 2015 Public Health Award Ceremony. I'm honored to be here with you today to show our appreciation to those who have demonstrated leadership and commitment to public health in the city of Madison and Dane County. When we look at social and economic factors such as income education, income, education, housing, employment, and community safety uh, to account for safe, public community safety to account for over 40% of a person's health status. We know that it will take collaboration to focus on the socioeconomic factors to lead us towards changes in policies, systems, and environments to impact the health of our community. 
We have many examples of partnerships and collaborations that are currently taking place all over the city of Madison and Dane County. The collaboration of the, um, for instance, the collaboration of the opioid overdose response uh, with many partners across the county that involve Madison police sergeants who carry naloxone uh, with them to save lives and the opportunity to provide training to others who want to participate in the program. A racial equity social justice initiative that provide us with tools to engage community and gain uh, understanding on the impact of decisions on communities of color and low-income populations with a focus on public health. The Mad Market Double uh, Dollars program began in 2013, offering a dollar-for-dollar match for all supplemental nutritional assistance program, otherwise known as SNAP, transactions at our four participating farmers markets in the city of Madison. The initiative is spearheaded by the city of Madison in designing the program and raising funds uh, for the matching dollars. SNAP incentive programs at farmers markets, such as the Mad Market program, have proven to be effective tools in providing the financial capacity to low-income individuals to purchase healthy local items at their neighborhood farmers markets, especially at a time when federal food, food assistance benefits continue to be reduced. Although funding by the City of Madison, Dane County, uh, through the funding of the, Mad the City of Madison and Dane County, the administration of the program has provided by the Community Action Coalition of South Central Wisconsin. The program has served over 1,000 individuals and generated 40,000 in sales at satellite farmers markets across the city. Thank you for your work and commitment. Uh, these initiatives, along with leaders being recognized today, demonstrate the collaboration and partnerships that are needed and aligned with our vision of a community of healthy people and healthy places. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks so much for being here. This is one of the many reasons I'm so proud to be a resident of Dane County. When I look out and I see all the people, not only there, but up here, especially because of the folks we're rec rec recognizing today, doing so much good work. And there's a lot of work to do when we think of everything that public health encompasses, you know, today from Ebola to opiates and the comprehensive approaches that we have to have to addressing those issues. I'm also particularly proud of the work that the Public Health Department um, is undertaking um, in the area of equity. And Janelle really deserves a, a lot of recognition um, and kudos for that. You know, our, our community as a whole is certainly focused on equity more than ever. County government is, public health is. And in county government, we have an initiative we refer to as access to opportunity. And it's really just based on a simple premise that, you know, if you, if you look at any magazine across the country, we're rated as one of the top places to live in the United States year after year after year. There's so much to offer here, but not everyone in our community has access to everything our community has to offer. And we're committed to addressing that and to doing something about it. And the public health department is taking nuts and bolts steps in that direction. Because when we look at accessing opportunity, when we look at realizing your full potential, access to quality health care, access to being able to be healthy, when we look at indicators, when we look at people in poverty and what happens, and when we look at the health indicators that are directly connected to one's socioeconomic status, we can't ignore that and we have to work to address that. And Janelle has really led the charge in that area. And for that, thank you, Janelle. We appreciate it so much. And again, I'm optimistic because I know everyone in our community has the same goal and is focused like a laser right now on this issue. So it's really great to be able to come together to recognize folks. But again, I also want to thank everyone in here because I know so many of you personally and know so many of the, the, the actions that you're taking in your lives personally and professionally. So thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you both. All right, let's get started. Um, I'm going to ask Doug Vagley to come up and to give us a uh, talk to us about our the Ebola efforts and to lead that charge here. So thank you so much. Thank you, Janelle. <clears throat> um, I just uh, have come from a FEMA training where uh, they said uh, when any time you do a briefing to uh, be brief, be blunt, and be gone. <laughs> I'll do two of those today. 
you'll have to figure out which one I'm not going to do. Um, I think it's a great day today. Uh, I, you know, if the public health awards were like three days from now, we could all be saying Liberia is Ebola free. Um, March or May 9th uh, is the day that uh, they will be 42 days without a case. Hopefully they can go the way of Mali. We can scratch them off the list and concentrate efforts on Sierra Leone and Guinea. We started working on this uh, Ebola incident in uh, early August, and uh, we continue to work on it today. Not only the public health department, but all of our partners continue to work on Ebola, even though it's not in the headlines every day. Uh, there is still work going on behind the scenes to contain uh, this disease outbreak. Uh, we moved into an incident command structure, uh, ICS, um, kind of a modified one that focused our work uh, in the areas that we needed to work on. Communications with the healthcare facilities in Dane County, the uh, communications of the public amongst ourselves um, and amongst other partners. Uh, Non-pharmaceutical interventions, which includes just monitoring the Ebola travelers that are coming into our community on a regular basis. Right now, we're at 11, the highest that we've ever had. We also uh, take a look and work in responder safety uh, in recovery after an uh, Ebola patient would be, would be found uh, cleaning up the uh, apartment. And also logistics. There's a lot of supplies, a lot of PPE, a lot of phones, different things that were needed to, uh, to come online in order for us to provide an effective monitoring program. If you're on the, uh, the public health ICS team, could you stand for a moment, please? Uh, this is the, the team right here. Thank you. So as we all know, the response to this outbreak started with a flurry of activity um, and since has matured into a well-oiled system. Um, but the work continues overseas. Um, and we have systems in place in the U.S. to keep us safe here. But without that work overseas, the, uh, the, the total assurance and safety of the public uh, in the United States is always going to be uh, in question. But a, a huge part of keeping us safe here in the United States is due to the people that go actually to these countries to help contain the outbreak in the country. Keep in mind that um, some things that I learned from our, our first uh, person, uh, uh, that the, the healthcare systems in these countries completely broke down. They weren't there. There wasn't a hospital that you could go to. There was not a clinic that you could go to. It was gone. It was decimated by the Ebola outbreak. Many of the healthcare workers, you know, contracted the disease and, and subsequently died. So with no healthcare system, the volunteers uh, from throughout this world were needed to help contain and work on the outbreak uh, in the countries. And we just happened to have one of those volunteers in our midst um, today, and our first recognition is for uh, Mark Rosenthal, who was one of the volunteers that went to uh, Sierra Leone. I had, the opportunity, I had the opportunity to talk uh, to Mark uh, after he returned, and I tell you, some of those conversations on Saturday morning via FaceTime on the Apple uh, phone uh, were some of the most interesting times um, that I've had in my work in, in the public health department. Uh, Mark truly is a, is a caring individual that was very passionate about his work um, and, and passionate that we know here what's, what's going on there and that we use our resources here to help these countries contain the outbreak. So thank you, Mark. So now you know it's not be brief, right? <laughs> the, the Ebola response is not limited to public health departments, as, as Janelle uh, referenced earlier. In fact, the, the public health department just provides one little piece of the whole the response to um, Ebola many different partners, Dane County Emergency Management, the State Department of Health Services, law enforcement agencies throughout the county, EMS agencies throughout the county, 
our, our wonderful hospitals that we have in Dane County, medical examiner, uh, environmental cleanup companies like Mary, private, private companies are also involved in the, the, the fight uh, uh, against Ebola. Um, so we met a few times kind of to frame out our plans, and then from there, our partners uh, developed their own plans and, and trained extensively to make sure that they could handle anything that was uh, thrown at them. And the preparation and planning and training all paid off in early February when we actually had a monitored person, a person under investigation, that started to show symptoms that were consistent with Ebola viral disease. Um, it was an interesting evening, to say the least, um, and one of the, 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 the first calls that I, was, I, I made was to the Madison Fire Department saying, I think we're going to need your help here. Um, the uh, Madison Fire Department immediately stepped up to the plate, even prior to this incident, had their standard operating guidelines constructed, had everybody trained, the response, the, the, the ambulance rig was all outfitted, everything was ready to go. So when it came time to actually call in the fire department to transport a person under uh, investigation, um, they calmly, much more calmly than I, <laughs> moved the ambulance in place, waited for further instruction, moved the, uh, the patient at that point in time to the, the hospital. So I'd like to recognize the Madison Fire Department EMS Chief Steve Davis and Division Chief Chase Stedman. if you're transporting a patient, it would be nice to have some place to take them to. Um, and again, it's our, it's our partners in Dane County, the hospital partners in Dane County, that, that gave us that place. Again, the, the planning and preparation, training, the donning, the doffing, all the hours, the financial resources, the staff time that go into the preparation really paid off when we transported the patient to uh, Meritor Unity Hospital. They uh, are the only... Um, sorry. Meritor is an, uh, the only, was the only Ebola assessment hospital at that point in time. Um, they, as an assessment hospital, can receive a patient and can confirm, either rule in or rule out, if that person is, in fact... Um, sub subjected to uh, the Ebola virus disease. They uh, trained, they retrofitted their isolation unit. They stood up quickly. Um, I think I, I wrote in the, uh, the program 90 minutes. 90 minutes. This was at a time when most of their staff was going home for the day, the first shift, and they were able to call that staff, bring them together. 90 minutes had that isolation unit up and running and were ready to receive the patient. Um, you know, it, it's just a record amount of time, and, and when you have partners like that, it, it really makes planning easy. And uh, so I'd like to recognize Meritor Unity, Health, Unity Point Health for their um, wonderful uh, response to the Ebola uh, person under investigation. Thank you. Thank you. I, I also would like to mention another part of Meritor Unity Health Point. The way that they handled the media was exceptional, exceptional. They did it in such a way to assure the public that they had everything under control. We, as a whole system, had everything under control. And because of that, I believe that our community felt that everything was under control. <laughs> And it, and it was. It was. So. <laughs> the story 
of our person under investigation luckily ends at, at Meritor. Um, two uh, samples uh, showed that the person did not have Ebola virus disease, which is excellent. Um, but just in case, we do have uh, one of the three Ebola treatment centers right here in Dane County in the University of Wisconsin hospitals and clinics. They were also ready that evening um, to uh, stand up if they needed to. Um, however, a lot more of their work actually happened um, previous to that night where they um, met the CDC guidelines and standards to be considered an Ebola treatment center, which is a huge, huge undertaking. Required, again, staff time, financial uh, obligations that, they, that they, they met and are not really getting, well, and that the reimbursement is less than adequate from the CDC. <laughs> However, that being said, even with the, the, the limited resources, they, they still um, took on the challenge and, and have become that treatment center and continue today. I was in uh, a meeting yesterday with uh, Marissa, and I, I could have swore that there was a meeting prior to me that was still talking about their Ebola response, still planning, still training, still working uh, for that possible um, case that we uh, may have, but we hope we never do have. I poured hours of staff resources and money into it, and it's just reassuring to know that we have the UW Hospital and Clinics as an Ebola treatment center right in our backyards. So Marissa and Michelle. Uh, one, just one last thing I just want to mention, um, since I'm not brief anymore. Uh, the key to all of the success that we had is communication and partnerships. The partnerships that we've formed through this incident, I'm sure, will carry us to our next event in five years. If we think about it, H1N1, 2009, 2010, Ebola, 2014, 2015, what is going to happen in 2019-2020. I really don't know, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I am really truly confident that these partnerships and the communication that we have formed now with this Ebola response will be a key to anything that gets thrown at us that we can handle. And I just want to say thank you to everybody here because it makes my job easy. You guys did a super job, and I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Doug. I couldn't have said anything better than how you wrapped that up, so thank you. I agree. All right, so what I forgot to do earlier was to, for those of you who haven't been here um, to, to previous Public Health Awards, is just give a little um, overview of how the, the next uh, steps go. Um, we're going to invite some staff up to give an introduction, uh, introduce the award recipients, then we're going to present the award, and we're going to stop for a photo op, and then we'll ask uh, the, the recipients, we'll have a chance to, to give a short thank you, I think thank you <laughs> to, to tell us something about about what they've done and we'll have a group photo at the end so I am going to ask given all that for you to hold your applause until the end um, we usually trip up along in here so it's not not terribly awful when that happens but that's the overview of what the next steps are um, so with that I would like to ask Debbie Dunor from Public Health to come and present the first leadership award today Yes. I get to be a prop now. So. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm the general health coordinator for public health, and it is my honor and privilege to tell you a little bit about David Gunderson. 
David Gunderson began, began his unintended career in public health, teaching middle school science and health in inner city L.A. And the paths that he took from there sound more like a public health roller coaster ride. <laughs> L.A. was followed by D.C., Washington, D.C., as David served as a legislative assistant. Next, he earned his MPH, his Master's in Public Health, in Atlanta. Then he came back to Wisconsin as the State Director of School Health Programs. School Health paved the way for him to become Executive Director of the Wisconsin Tobacco Control Board, and his efforts there helped Wisconsin become a smoke-free state. That alone deserves him another award, but <laughs> we're going to go on. So, obviously, the next logical step was to become a dentist, right? <laughs> Oddly, it was perfectly logical to David. And as a health teacher back in L.A., he, um, his students, who were 11 to 13-year-old children, came to him on a regular basis in pain with untreated dental decay. And when he came back to Wisconsin, he saw that in his own state, this same tragedy was the case for, for people. There was um, untreated caries and, and a lack of access to care, and um, it was heart-wrenching. In his tobacco work, he saw examples of the unrealized potential of dentistry, to address tobacco use and other public health issues. And David knew that dentistry was the next track of his public health ride because of the incredible need and the even greater potential to dramatically make a difference uh, to improve the oral health of children and families. So off to dental school he went, and his roller coaster was firmly riding on teeth. And he's been practicing dentistry in Madison here ever since. He uses the invaluable experience and skills that he's acquired to lead our Oral Health Coalition of Dane County. He's developed and is implementing a program that will break down barriers and provide ongoing dental care for school children who don't have a dentist. Um, he continues to build bridges that connect dental and medical providers and other community partners to bring increased access to care and increased knowledge to all. Today, Dr. Gunderson is receiving the Public Health Leadership Award for Strategic Leadership to Improve the Oral Health of Dane County Residents and Systems of Oral Health Care. His vision for long-term goals and the precedent he sets by taking the action required are invaluable to this community. Congratulations. I don't know if you need us to stand. There you go. Thank you. Thank you very much. Up, up front. There you go, in front. This is where we usually trip up. All right. Thank you. Can we do this? Okay. <laughs> Don't take the first one to figure it out. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, De Debbie said an awful lot, so I, I, I had a very wise uncle who once told me no one ever complained because the speech was too short. Um, and, and I'll be honest, and, and I said this to Debbie when she told me that I was going to get this award, awards make me very uncomfortable uh, for three reasons. Uh, one is that I'm the youngest of four boys, uh, and if you ever got too big for your britches, you usually found yourself under a pile of couch uh, cushions or locked in a closet. So you, you can ask my older brothers about that. But uh, The second is... I, you know, anyone who does public health knows, and, and just even in the Ebola conversation and the, and the folks around here today already, it's not, there's never one person. <laughs> you know, and in fact, if it's one person, you're doing something wrong. Uh, and, and to me, uh, I, I am very thankful for the award. I am very thankful for the recognition. Uh, I think uh, I am thankful for the people that, that have been doing this for years and years and years. 
Uh, I'm thankful for the organizations like Public Health Department, Access Community Health Center, Madison Dental Initiative, uh, private providers, uh, my own employer, First Choice Dental, who, who gives me the time and freedom to, to do some of this work. Um, it, it is something that happens by a group effort, not by any one person. Uh, and, and what I'll say is that, that if, if, I, if I have any leadership voice in this, it's to be that broken record and that squeaky wheel and, and to tell the stories of public health. We, we, can, we can talk about the fact that if you are poor of color, you have half the rate of, of access to, to services and twice the rate of untreated care, uh, untreated decay. Uh, but those are just numbers. Uh, what you need are the faces. So, uh, <laughs> there is no reason why in a city like Madison there should be a child that has a tooth rotting in his or her mouth. So I am thankful for the work that's being done, uh, and, I'm, and I'm thankful for the fact that we've been able to make great strides in bridging some of these gaps that exist between your mouth and the rest of your body. What kind of craziness is it that we have separate insurance systems, separate educational systems, separate health care facilities for your mouth and the rest of your body? Uh, these are the types of things that we should be thinking about. I, I have been honored to be a part of the, the establishment of an emergency room and urgent care protocol for people that present with non-traumatic dental pain. What we do on intake to prevent people from going in that don't need to be in the emergency room. How we make sure the clinicians during care are, are providing the care that should be provided and know how to do that. But more, most importantly is when they leave the emergency room, how we make sure they're not back there in three weeks because they've come in with a problem that's not getting fixed. Associated with that is the fact that we, we've developed a concept of a community dental care coordinator. Care coordinators are very mainstream in, in, the, in the healthcare realm now. A community dental care coordinator allows us to have a single access point for someone that needs care and also a single access point for people that want to provide, provide care in a fractured system. Uh, private providers, uh, who are, there are many out there doing the good work, public providers, existing systems, but there, there should be a place where anyone who needs care can go to get it, anyone, anyone who wants to provide care can provide it. Uh, so that was reason number two. I, I think there are a lot of people out there doing work, and I am honored to be amongst them, many of whom are here, including Nan Peters and a former uh, award recipient and the folks with public health. The third reason why these awards make me comfortable is because it's never enough. Uh, and even the fact that we've had to develop this ER system and this dental care coordinator system says there's a problem. And in a very strange way, uh, we'll know we're there when we don't need these things anymore. Uh, and in fact, in fact, my hope is to make them self-eliminating. Uh, and We'll know we're, we're there and we've done what we can do when there's not a single kid or adult in this city that can't go to work, can't go to school, can't parent, can't take care of their daily existence because they've got a tooth rotting in his or her mouth and they're in pain. Uh, and the only way that's going to happen is if we do more. Uh, and if we do more, both from a, a provision of a care perspective, but from a systems perspective and from a policy perspective. Systems, 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 policy, policy, policy. That, to me, is the heart and soul of the new public health world. Uh, so I, I want to thank you. I want to thank Tobacco and Teeth for, for, for pulling me into public health and making me a public health believer. Uh, and, and, I, and I want to say that we're getting there, but I, but I want to compel all of you in your various realms to, to, to recognize that, that Teeth... Uh, and, and tooth pain and the fact that we have kids and families out there that can't get dental care, it is a very tangible, real problem. And the greatest part is it's solvable. It is something that if we put our effort into it, it is solvable. Uh, and so I think we're making strides. Uh, I thank you for the award. It's never enough.
And uh, thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thank you, David. For our next award, the Advocacy Award, Carrie Bartlett's already up here. Um, Carrie Bartlett, uh, Public Health Supervisor in our Policy Planning and Evaluation Division with Public Health, is going to present that award. So, Hi, good afternoon. Um, I'd like to invite up Lindsay Swindoll and Danielle Cotterell from Children um, and Families. So I'm going to call them CKF from here on out. It's covering kids and families, which is lengthy, just like Madison Public Health in Dane County is lengthy, <laughs> and we like to let shorten it. They've got an acronym as well. Uh, so the rollout of the Affordable Care Act uh, was exciting time for public health and all of our partners who are invested into improving access to care for our Dane County residents. Um, but with all, almost all major initiatives that are rolled out, there were bumps in the road. Uh, you may have heard about the marketplace that didn't really work and the, the constantly changing policies and rules. And, and our partners like CKF were on top of this all the way through. Um, but we were under-resourced in our community. And uh, so a bunch of partners came together and we formed this collaborative that was kind of piecemealed. And it was in addition to all the other work that we were doing. I see some smiles and nods of people who acknowledge this was a hard time. And um, we did well, all things considered. Uh, the second year of planning, so the um, last year, was a totally different scenario because CKF came in like public health superheroes with this big grant from the navigator, um, federal navigator system. And that second planning session, or this, the planning session for the second year was so different because we came prepared with this long list of logistics and work assignments that needed to be doled out, just like we'd done the year before. And... The CKF staff sat there and said, oh, yeah, we got that. Oh, no, we'll do that. Yeah, we got that. And it was like, oh, my gosh, we have, like, this strong entity in our community now who's able to help us and, and continue doing the work that they've always done um, on a higher level. And they still put resources in Dane County, even though their navigator grant was to cover all of southern Wisconsin. So, obviously, a lot of high-needs areas, and yet they still thought of Dane County and still put some resources to our area. So, we're very appreciative of that. It has been a pleasure to work with um, all the staff at CKF, and it was nice to be able to go back to our regular day jobs um, <laughs> when they came in and um, are continuing the work ongoing and sustainably. So, thank you very much. Um, on behalf of Covering Kids and Families, um, my colleague Danielle and I would like to thank Public Health Madison and Dane County for the opportunity to accept this meaningful award. Covering Kids and Families is both excited and thankful for this recognition. CKF staff members, myself included, spent the majority of the enrollment period working one-on-one -on -one with mainly uninsured consumers to facilitate their enrollment in either a health insurance marketplace plan or Badger Care Plus. In addition to connecting these individuals to health insurance, CKF has taken active interest in helping consumers to understand the basics of their health insurance before enrolling in a policy. This holistic approach is something CKF staff members recognize as essential to the long-term commitment of connecting consumers not just to health insurance that works for them, but to their future well-being. From one-time large-scale events advertised on Beltline billboards to weekly office hours hosted in the Cross Plains Public Library, CKF's navigators made ourselves as accessible to Madison and Dane County residents as possible. While we learned from successes and failures along the way, it was always our goal to reach our communities, underserved and vulnerable populations, and to provide services that were accessible. 
No matter the location, crowd, or turnout, we strive to provide these services in an approachable and an engaging manner, and collaborating with local partners was the key to our accessibility. From welcoming us into libraries and office spaces to helping us flyer and advertise events, CKF is so grateful for the support our colleagues and peers have provided to help, us connect, to help connect us to consumers in need. CKF would like to take this opportunity to name some of the partners that helped shape our success over the last few months in Dane County. To United Way of Dane County, UW Extension, Warner Park Community Center, Central Hispano of Dane County, the Boys and Girls Club of Dane County, the Dane County Job Center, and the Libraries of Madison and Dane County. Thank you for providing us with the space to connect with consumers in need of assistance. To the engaged volunteers of our community, especially to the members of the Northside Action Team and the Middleton Action Team, thank you for the time you donate to help make your community a better place at the grassroots level. To the dedicated volunteers of Covering Kids and Families, Thank you for enduring the CMS training and for powering through application issues on healthcare.gov. The time you gave us was a gift that cannot be repaid. To the area insurance providers, thank you for donating your time at our events to help answer difficult questions about the insurance policies offered on the marketplace. To other local partners, including Wisconsin Primary Healthcare Association, the Dane County Health Council, Dane County Health Watch, ABC for Health, Public Health, Madison and Dane County, Second Harvest Food Bank, Dane County Department of Human Services, Wenger CPAs, Adams Outdoor, Local Vitasites, and Wisconsin Department of Health Services. Thank you for the variety of support you provided and continue to provide CKF. To the elected, to the elected officials and the staff of Mayor Soglin, Mark Pocan, and Tammy Baldwin, thank you for providing our message to your constituents. CKF would like to extend a special thank you to United Way of Dane County and its staff members for the outstanding help in coordinating our large events and the resources they also provided. In closing, it's important to recognize that CKF's work is not done. Outside of the open enrollment period, we will continue to provide special enrollment assistance as the navigator entity for consumers who are eligible for special enrollment periods and will continue to be a resource for consumers and for the community as a whole. While this has been a demanding project, it has also been immensely gratifying. I have worked with consumers from all walks of life, and in all of these interactions, the one common thread has been an overwhelming sense of gratitude from these individuals. That someone was willing to sit with them to help them navigate a complex system has been an appreciated service. It has been CKF's immense pleasure to engage with these consumers to help them learn, adapt, and grow in their understanding of the ways they can care for themselves and their families. In empowering each consumer to take their well-being into their own hands, we help to sew the threads of the community ever tighter, and we are beyond grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. Now I'd like to ask Mary Michaud, Director of Policy Planning and Evaluation with Public Health, to come up and present our second Leadership Award. Thanks, Janelle. Good afternoon. I'm going to cry again because um, <clears throat> between David's and, and Jason's stories and what they've contributed for clumped, I think is the word I closest but um, a couple of things that I've learned over the last few years uh, <laughs> are that people take paths that are lesser traveled all the time and they're often the least celebrated uh, Jason Garland's one of those those folks I remember meeting Jason about six six years ago I think um, picking up seedlings at Oak Hill Correctional um, Facility about this time of year, there's an exodus of seedlings out of the correctional facility, which is out off Highway M in Fitchburg, actually Oregon. Thousands upon thousands of uh, cucumbers, um, coleus, uh, native plant species, kohlrabi. Um, kohlrabi in various <laughs> sites. What a, there's a huge one, colossal one that go to mainly youth gardens, but also to places like community groundworks, um, elder care facilities, and they're healing. These seedlings are healing because 
people take care of them that that aren't expected to be able to take care of just about anything. When I when I began to get to know Jason through through our collaborative work in outdoor learning and the work that he does at Oak Hill Correctional with the men, what I noticed, sorry, what I Just stop it. <laughs> what I noticed right away was the depth of, of respect that. Can I call Mary? I started it. Do you just. The depth of respect that Jason has for everybody he works with, and particularly the men who. Um, who've had systems and policies and communities collude to swipe their opportunity away from them at very early, very, very young ages. I got to know Jason and, and realized that he was really a healer, it made perfect sense because what he's offering through um, teaching the men at Oak Hill um, vocational horticulture, he's offering, he's offering a new chance. And if you walk around the back of Oak Hill, there's a, um, a victim's memorial circle that Jason and the inmates designed. And its centerpiece is restorative justice. And um, in, in the conversations that we hear about equity in our community and the kind of pain that really needs healing leaders, Jason's the kind of person who cultivates his own capacity to always respect every person he's working with. And it comes through in how... He shapes his program around power, giving back some power to people who've lost their power, offering some mastery and self-determination so that employment isn't going to be necessarily out of reach. He offers a sense of belonging, that they're part of something bigger. And he, and this might be the most important piece, he offers them a chance to give back. So there are men at Oak Hill whose kids are getting the seedlings they grow. So my, my grandma was Irish, and she, she talked about um, her life. She was an orphan, and she, she always told me, yeah, it's a hard story, but it's in the shelter of each other that people truly live. And I think... For so many of the men that come through Oak Hill, Jason might be the first person they've met to create that kind of shelter for them. And we're seeing the results. For 20 years, he's done this, and I can't think of somebody who's more deserving. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Mary. I'm always touched when you speak, especially when it's about me. <laughs> uh, thank you, members of the uh, Madison and Dane County Public Health Department, the Selection Committee, Executive Parisi, Ms. Reyes, representative from the mayor's office, and all of you for being here this afternoon. About a Half a century ago, Bob Rodale, who's the erstwhile godfather of postmodern organic gardening, stated, healthy soil, healthy plants, healthy people. 
And this statement continues to resonate today. Restoration of a community's ability to become more food sufficient is vital. And this sufficiency consists of both the ability to produce the food, but also the recognition, the shared recognition of the value of locally produced food for the health of a community. Contributing to the increased production of food, both inside the institution and out in the community, is one of the reasons that my job at Oak Hill is so satisfying and rewarding. Who better to carry the message of social rejuvenation through food security and soil quality back to the community than the inmates themselves? I stand here humbled by the recognition of the effort that I've put forth to build positive relationships as a teacher in prison. I am grateful to accept this award and this honor on behalf of all the individuals who have contributed to the success of the horticulture training program at Oak Hill Correctional Institution. And these include, but are not limited to, the men who sowed the seeds and grew on the plants, the administration who sustained the Kids Garden Network for all these years through the face of sometimes limiting resources. Steve Bremer, the food service supervisor at Oak Hill, who designed a kitchen that functions as a food hub so that the produce from the institution gardens can end up on the inmates' plates in the chow line year-round. To the many community organizers, coordinators, who uh, had the youth gardens, our collaborators out in the community, and give the chance for kids to find themselves and also lose themselves in the garden. The youth who, through their toil and their play, have discovered the magic and the wonder of gardening and local food. And especially to my family, my three sons, my loving wife, who have supported and encouraged me through the two decades that I've worked in a correctional setting. Aldo Leopold said, We shall not achieve harmony with land any more than we shall achieve absolute justice and liberty for people. In these higher aspirations, the important thing is not to achieve, but to strive. And my friends, we shall continue to strive for healthier communities. Thank you. We're not even done yet today, but we need tissues. We need to remember to put that on the list for next year's preparation. Um, you started it. Our last but not least, um, I'd like to ask Lisa Bullard Cawthorn to come up here and present the Distinguished Service Award. Lisa's been commandeering, facilitating, and leading public health awards since it started. So thanks, Lisa. Along with Amy. Um, so, Randy, if you would come up here with me. So, Dr. Randall Brown is the recipient of the Distinguished Service Award. Randy was nominated by Andy Casa, a 2008 award recipient, with help from many friends and um, that are here today as well. It's very hard to get 
get a handle on getting a glimpse of everything that Randy does. In fact, I found out from his wife today that when they first met, it took her about six months to try to figure out everything that, that Randy does. Um, it's amazing to think that it's humanly possible for one individual to be involved with so many things that have such impact on our community to prevent and reduce harm from drugs. And I have to try to do this in three minutes. I told everybody else they had to, so I better. Um, Randy is a family medicine, um, family practice doctor with a specialty in addiction medicine. He has worked with countless patients in many settings, both public and private, to help people on the road to recovery and to improve their lives. Most notable is his work with at-risk populations, including those interfacing with the criminal justice system, such as the work that he's done with the successful drug treatment program model in Dane County. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but you've got a handout that's got lots of details, and there's more about Randy in there as well as the other recipients. Randy is the founding director of the UW's Fellowship Program in Addiction Medicine. It's important for medical professionals to have an understanding of addiction. It's even better to have more medical professionals specializing in addiction medicine, which Randy has been instrumental to try to help. He's also played a role in educating his, his medical colleagues on safe opioid prescribing. Randy has done much work also to prevent opioid overdose and death. In his role as medical director for the AIDS Resource Center of Wisconsin's Overdose Prevention Program, he prescribes the naloxone, which is an, opio an overdose reversal drug. And this program, since 2005, has saved more than 4,300 lives. He also supports the expansion of providing overdose education and naloxone availability to family and friends of those that are at high risk of an overdose. But he doesn't stop there. Randy also has used his knowledge and his expertise to play an important advocacy role. His powerful testimony on the medical role and value of naloxone at the hearings pertaining to the heroin and opioid prevention and education, also referred to as the HOPE legislation, what he was instrumental toward its unanimous and bipartisan, I might add, support and becoming a new law a year later and encouraging the increased availability of naloxone to save lives. We are extremely lucky in Dane County to have someone like Dr. Doctor, and if you read about him, you'll understand why, um, who offers hope to so many and is dedicated to saving lives and improving the health of our community. Thank you, Randy. If you want to know a little bit more about him, just Google him and you'll see what I mean. <laughs> by a public health nurse, so my mother is <laughs> glowing back home in Boise, Idaho right about now. Um, clearly, though, uh, this is an award in recognition of the forward thinking and hard work of many dedicated people, many agencies who are passionate about reducing harms attributable to opioids in our communities. Apologies if I miss any of those with whom I've collaborated, but I thought carefully. So I think I've got them all here. Uh, Lisa mentioned that I work closely with Dane County Drug Treatment and Drug Diversion Courts, uh, those team members tireless in their efforts, including the Department of Human Services, the offices of the District Attorney and Public Defender, sta staff of treatment agencies, most prominently during mental health, um, other agencies with whom we work in preventing opioid-related harms and overdose, such as AIDS Network, the AIDS Resource Center of Wisconsin, and Safer Communities. 
I should also certainly thank my home department at the University of Wisconsin, the Department of Family Medicine, for supporting me uh, in this important community-based work. Um, I'd certainly be remiss if I didn't extend thanks to my lovely wife, Jackie, as well uh, for her love, support, and patience, as she is as deserving as any wife of an academic physician. Um, thank you, Dr. Kosep, for the nomination um, and to those who supported him in it, uh, Ms. Bullard-Cawthorn, um, UW Project Coordinator Extraordinaire, Michelle Gassman, uh, Scott Stokes at ARCW, and uh, Dane County AODA Services Manager Todd Campbell, with whom I've worked closely for many years. Uh, it's a bit sad, I suppose, that we're here honoring someone who's been working with problems attributable to opioids. Um, it's a shame we need to be actively thinking about prevention and treatment services and improving and expanding them. But we clearly need to be thinking about these things. Um, the work that's come before is nowhere near enough. Opioid overdoses have surpassed motor vehicle accidents as the leading cause of accidental death in Wisconsin and beyond. Well, drug overdoses, opioids accounting for the vast majority of those. Addiction to opioids now surpass addiction to marijuana is the leading reason for admission to substance abuse treatment for addiction to an illicit substance. Last year, there were one and a half million individuals over age 12 who initiated the recreational use of prescription opioids. That's over 4,000 each day last year. Fully 25% of eighth graders say that opioids are easy to obtain. Where do we even start? <laughs> All right. Clearly, there aren't simple answers. Um, the need isn't simply for more specialist treatment availability. We know that 90% of individuals who are struggling with these use problems don't access specialist treatment. We need a wider acceptance of responsibility, improved education of the public and health care, and we need solutions that lie upstream from overdose and fulminant addiction, fostering healthy families and their communication, healthy neighborhoods, preventing childhood trauma and abuse, addressing mental health needs in children and adolescents, narrowing disparities of health and wealth in our communities, in supporting and advocating for drug abuse control policies and enforcement that make sense based on the best available evidence, as well as compassion that don't make punishment for an addiction a lifelong albatross. We need all of these things and more, more than I can compress into a time that would be respectful of your time. But we all need to be taking part in the discussion and in action. Any of you have opioids at home, lock them up. <laughs> if you're not using them, dispose of them in available facilities. Cheryl's right there. She can tell you exactly where they are. Thank you very much for the award. Thank you all so much. I, um, I'm, at, I'm at a bit of a loss of words uh, today. It's been a, probably one of the most powerful events I've been at in a long time. So now my tears are going to come. I don't think we're going to work ourselves out of a job, any of us here, anytime soon. It's unfortunate to say, but it's an aspiration to have. Um, the depth and breadth of the work that happens in this community to create health in so many different sectors is, is apparent here today. And I hope you leave here inspired as, inspired as I am um, and light, not heavy, because we are doing amazing things here, as, as I think we've witnessed. Um, and think about next year. What do we want to see? Where do we want to go? And who do you want to see up here? So um, please uh, join us for some refreshments and networking and thinking about new ways to collaborate, to partner, 
and things that we need to see here, happening here in Dane County to uh, make us the best place and the healthiest place for everyone to live. So thank you all so much. Um, we're going to take some pictures as a group, and then we'll join you for refreshments.